the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Grounded and Growing in Christ. I'm Dan Rhoda, a pastor of Worland Park Christian Reformed Church, and today we are going to open the Bible together to hear from God's Word. To hear all of the messages in this series, please visit groundedandgrowingradio.com. There you can learn more about this audio ministry. And we'd love if you'd consider providing financial support by making a gift of any amount. If you're not part of the local church, Orland Park Christian Reformed Church welcomes you to worship with us this Sunday as we gather to worship and hear the Word of God proclaimed. You can learn more about our church at groundedandgrowingradio.com. Would you turn with me to Ecclesiastes 12? We're going to be taking a look at verses 9 through 14. This is the end of the book of Ecclesiastes, where we're given the end of the matter, where everything has been seen, everything's been glimpsed, everything's been understood, and we're given the final wisdom that the book has to offer to us. And so let's give our attention now to God's word, Ecclesiastes chapter 12, beginning at verse 9. Besides being wise, the preacher also taught the people knowledge, weighing and studying and arranging many proverbs with great care. The preacher sought to find words of delight, and uprightly he wrote words of truth. The words of the wise are like goads and like nails firmly fixed as the collect, are the collected sayings. They are given by one shepherd. My son, beware of anything beyond these. Of making many books there is no end, and much study is a weariness of the flesh. The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. The preacher, Solomon, by this point has come to the end of his work. He's surveyed everything that exists under the sun. That is, he's taken a look at everything that is, that everything that exists, apart from the revelation of God, apart from the hand of God, to see if there is any gain to be found in this world apart from God. He's left no stone unturned. He's looked everywhere that there is, and his list has been exhaustive. He's tried to find gain in pleasure. He's tried comedy at various times in the book. He's tried alcohol. He's tried architecture and design. He's tried through nature to find lasting gain, through busyness, through wealth. He's tried through culture. He's tried through sex. He's looked for gain in wisdom and found that there is none. He's looked for gain in work and found that there is none. No lasting, eternal benefit to be had under the sun in anything that he might give his attention to, that he might set his mind or his hands to. He sees that there is oppression under the sun. He sees that death comes to all. He, says that there can, he sees that there cannot be lasting gain because there is not everlasting life to be had under the sun. To simplify it, he's found out 
that whatever you're looking for to fill you up under the sun, to take away your sorrow and give you lasting joy under the sun, whatever you're looking for to fill you up, won't do it. One of the things that I noted at the very beginning of this sermon series some months ago now is that America, along with Western society as a whole, has been running the experiment that the preacher ran here ever since its founding. One of the basic rights that's guaranteed us as Americans in the Constitution is the right to pursue happiness. It seems to me that this has in fact become the chief right, the most desired right, the most protected right in American society. And so our country and the residents of the United States of America have, since its founding, attempted to find gain by pursuing happiness. And it never works. It never works. And yet, this is what we try again and again and again. Pleasure and work and wisdom, all sorts of things that could be found under the sun. We look to them for lasting gain. I was struck by an example of this, something that happened about a year ago. It was, um, it was a tweet that was sent out by a, a senator, Chris Murphy, after his party had had a major legislative victory in the Senate. It was last July that he tweeted this out. He said, last night proved once again that there is no anxiety or sadness or fear that you feel right now that cannot be cured by political action. That's quite something there, isn't that? Now, the, you know, the, I'm sure that there, are, there are, are good things about what Senator Murphy does. I'm sure that there are things that, that Christians could appreciate and agree with and laud. I'm sure that there are things that Christians could, could disagree with. And one has to be that totalizing view of the nature of politics. That through it, that through political action, that you could find gain for yourself. An end to your anxiety. An end to your fear. An end to your sadness just by being politically involved. Be honest with yourself. Have you found that your sadness or anxiety has been cured by political action? I would guess no. (laughs) For any political gain that you might experience in one election year, they seem to be undone by the next and then vice versa. There's no gain to be found there. And yet we somehow seem to think that there is some sort of lasting enjoyment, a filling up of our longing, an ending of our sadness, the elimination of our loneliness, simply by trying or striving for this or that thing underneath the sun. But there's no gain there. There's no gain to be found under the sun. There is nothing in this world which will satisfy your deepest desires. This is what C.S. Lewis says, because he knows this to be true. He said, most people, if they had really learned to look into their own hearts, most people would know that what they do want and want acutely is something that cannot be had in this world. There are all sorts of things that this world has to offer to give to you, but they never quite keep their promise. The longings which arise in us when we first fall in love, or first think of some foreign country, or first take up some subject that excites us, are longings which no marriage, no travel, no learning can really satisfy. 
There was something we grasped at in that first moment of longing, which just fades away in the reality. One commentator on the book of Ecclesiastes, Derek Kidner, said this, nothing in our search throughout the book of Ecclesiastes, nothing in our search has led us home. Nothing we are offered under the sun is ours to keep. With that in mind, the preacher today comes to his final conclusion and gives to us concluding wisdom. He tells us where it is that we can find gain, where we can find lasting benefit, where we can find something that will not let us down in this brief and troubled life. What is there for us which is wise? What is there for us which is good, which is gain, which is lasting? Well, that's exactly what we'll be talking about today. The final wisdom, the ultimate point of this book. But before we get to that specifically, let's take a look at the first few verses of our passage. Verses 9 and 10. This is the way that things begin for us today. Verses 9 and 10. Besides being wise, the preacher also taught people knowledge, weighing and studying and arranging many proverbs with great care. The preacher sought to find words of delight, and uprightly he wrote words of truth. Now, these final words may have been written by somebody else after the preacher had completed his work. Notice that the preacher is now referred to not in the first person, but in the third person. But this wouldn't in any way diminish the authority of this closing portion of the book. It wouldn't in any way diminish how inspired it is by the Holy Spirit. The verse immediately before this one, this is, this is one of the reasons this ending is so helpful. The verse immediately before this one in verse 8 reminds us of the way that the book began. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher, all is vanity. And we're reminded here as verses 9 through 14 begin that vanity is not the way that the Christian life ends. It's not the end of the matter for those that trust in the Lord. And it's not the end, therefore, for the book of Ecclesiastes. All the work of looking at the world under the sun has been completed in verse 8 of Ecclesiastes chapter 12. The change in the way that the book speaks here in verse 9 is signaling something else is coming. The final word in this book is not and must not be vanity. And notice the way that we're told the preacher operates here in verses 9 and 10. Besides being wise, the preacher also taught the people knowledge, weighing and studying and arranging many proverbs with great care. The preacher operated with careful and logical and knowing words. He took great care in the arranging of the proverbs. These words that we have read thus far in the book have not been the angry musings of a thoughtless teenager. They've been weighed logically and carefully and knowingly. We're told the preacher has also written beautifully. The preacher sought to find words of delight. Now, I know that this might seem like a surprise at first. After all, the preacher wrote Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 2 and 3. Let me read that for us again. And I thought the dead who are already dead more fortunate than the living who are still alive. But better than both is he who has not been born and has not seen the evil deeds that are done under the sun. That, it's hard to believe, is a word of delight. I mean, that's really dark. And yet this book, this book has been filled with words of delight. 
Ecclesiastes is a book written with great literary care and surprising beauty. Think of the strong emotions that the book has elicited very, from the very beginning now to the very end. It's been a work, it's been a work that has, has moved the self because of its beauty. Today's message on Grounded and Growing in Christ will continue in just a moment. To learn more about Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, to listen to other messages from our audio ministry, or to make a financial gift of any amount, please visit groundedandgrowingradio.com. That's groundedandgrowingradio.com. This audio ministry is made possible by gifts from listeners like yourself, and we greatly appreciate all those of you who continue to make it possible to share this work with listeners across Chicagoland. Now let's return to today's message. Phil Riken makes the good point that if you want to be of real spiritual help to anybody, it isn't enough to speak or to write to them clearly. It isn't enough to write stylishly or beautifully. You must speak to them truthfully and faithfully. These are why the words are words of delight, because even if they are at times a bitter pill to swallow, they are true words. And the truth should delight the heart of the one that trusts in the Lord. The text goes on in verse 11, the words of the wise are like goads and like nails firmly fixed are the collected sayings. They are given by one shepherd. The words of the wise are like goads. Now when I read this, I had to look up what a goad is. I had no idea what a goad is. Maybe most of you do, but let me give to you the definition in case you're in the same place that I was. The Oxford Dictionary says that a goad is a spiked stick used for driving cattle. That's, what, that's what's being talked about here. The words of the wise are like a spiked stick that's used for driving cattle. That spiked stick is something that was used to move the beast on or to correct the course of that ox when it was starting to go in the wrong direction. That was the point of the goad that a farmer would have with him to make sure that the cattle stayed on the right, the good path. The goad wasn't intended to injure or to harm, but it was intended to create some pain so as to say, that's not the right way to go. Turn somewhere else and start going in the right direction. Start walking on the right path. That's what the words of the wise are. The words of the wise are not just nice cotton candy words. The words of the wise are goads. They have a bite to them. They're like a sharp, pointy stick. The words of a wise person, when we are beginning to stray, are supposed to smart a little bit so that we start moving away from that wrong path and getting our way uh, straight once again. You and I, if we want for uh, people to be able to speak into our lives, should want people to at times say things that might smart a little bit when they say it to us. We should not want to surround ourselves with people that are just going to say nice things all the time if that niceness is not true. We should want, when we start taking steps in the wrong direction, for somebody to come with a word that might sting a little bit. That's not the right path. Now, of course, those words should be said in love. Loving words can still at times sting if they hit home, if we recognize, oh, I'm not on the right path. That's what the words of the wise do. They bring us back to the right place. The words of the wise are like goads. And the words of the book of Ecclesiastes 
may at times sting. It stings to be reminded that there's nothing that ultimately satisfies under the sun. It stings to be reminded of the inevitability of death. It stings to be reminded of oppression or of oppressors, oppressors, but the sting is not to injure or to harm us, but to direct us to God, to direct us to trust in Jesus, to fear our God, to remember our Creator. And then we're told that the words of the wise are like nails that are firmly fixed. That's what these collected sayings are, like nails firmly fixed. Good wisdom sticks. Good words of wisdom sticks. It becomes firmly embedded in your mind. It becomes fixed like something nailed into place. And that's the way that the book of Ecclesiastes has been as well. Think about the phrases from Ecclesiastes that likely at this point stick within your own mind. Everything is vanity. Everything is breath. There's no gain to be found under the sun. Think about some of the wise words that are well known broadly from this book. For everything there is a season and a time for every purpose under heaven. Cast your bread upon the waters. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. He has set eternity in the hearts of men. These phrases stick because they are wise. Firmly fixed phrases. The words of the wise are like goads and like nails. Firmly fixed are the collected sayings. They are given by one shepherd. Can I ask you to bring up verse 11 again for us on the screen? Firmly fixed by, or they are given by one shepherd. Notice that the Bible here capitalizes the word shepherd. They're given by the shepherd. The preacher in the book of Ecclesiastes has identified himself as the son of David. And so the preacher knew the words that his father had written. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Those words were penned by Solomon's father. And now Solomon says that the words of Ecclesiastes were given by one shepherd. These are the words of God. And this is what we believe about the inspiration of Scripture. The Scriptures are the words of God in the words of the men who wrote the biblical text. Here, the words that we have read throughout these past months that come to us from the book of Ecclesiastes are the words of God in the written words of Solomon. While the writing was done by the preacher, the inspiration came by the shepherd. The inspiration came from God. And the words are of even greater delight to us when we realize that the Lord God, the Lord our shepherd, Became flesh. 
And Jesus told us that he is the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. Then verse 12, my son, beware of anything beyond these. Of the making of many books, there is no end, and much study is a weariness of the flesh. I can tell you amen to that. Study is wearying. It is tiring. It is exhausting. And I can also tell you that they just keep publishing books. Each time I've read one, it seems like another hundred or thousand have been written. And, and actually, over a million books are published each year. You're never going to be able to read every book that was written. You can't read a million books a year. Of the making of many books, there is no end. And the warning that's going out here, my son, beware of anything beyond these. The warning is to say, beware putting your trust in anything other than the words of the shepherd. Beware putting your trust in anything other than the words of the Lord. It's God's words. It's the words of scripture that have been given to us by God. The words of those millions of books which have been published since, those are the words of mere people, mere humans. Beware trusting in something above the word of God. Beware putting your faith in something that was written by someone other than the shepherd. You'll just weary yourself. You'll never come to an end. You'll always just be asking questions. You'll never have answers. But trust the words that are given by one shepherd. Trust the word of God. Trust the Bible. And then the final words of the book. Verses 13 and 14. The end of the matter. All has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. This is the end now. Everything's been searched out, everything's been said. And there is a final conclusion to be had. There is a final word, an appropriate and a good final word. There is a word that tells us of lasting gain to be had. And this is it. Fear God. It's very, very simple. Fear God. Trust Jesus. After everything has been said, after everything has been explored, After everything has been tried or attempted, trust Jesus. After trying and finding everything else lacking in the entirety of the world, give to me God. Give me Jesus. Here's the message of the book of Ecclesiastes. If you're looking to anything under the sun, you will not find lasting gain or meaning or purpose. But Ecclesiastes also tells us what the very purpose is of every single one of us. To fear God. To trust Christ. This is the whole duty of man. Literally, this is the whole of man. This means that this is the whole purpose of life. To fear God. I want to tell you today that your life has purpose and meaning. You were made with a purpose. You were made for meaning. You were made to know the one who created you. You were made to know your God. 
He exists beyond the sun. All I know is what's under the sun. How can I fear? How can I trust someone who is so far away? You know, that was exactly the problem that C.S. Lewis had. He had moved from the place where he was an atheist to believing that there was a God. But in one of the letters that he wrote, he thought, he said, but I believed that I could, I could no more know this God than Hamlet could know Shakespeare. All we know, all we can see is what the preacher saw, that which exists under the sun. How can we fear God if he exists beyond our ability to see or to or to touch or to experience presently or physically this one that we're supposed to fear. Well, Lewis went on. Later, he said, I came to realize there was a way that Hamlet could know Shakespeare if Shakespeare decided to write himself into the story and introduce himself to to Hamlet. If Shakespeare wrote himself into his story, Hamlet, then Hamlet could meet Shakespeare, his maker, his creator, his writer. And that's what God did. God knew that there was no gain to be found under the sun, and he knew that he existed in inapproachable light, and so God sent his son. My prayer is that the Lord speaks to you through his word, that we cultivate grateful hearts to him and flourish in a world searching for the hope that we find only in Jesus. To hear more about gratitude, to learn about Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, or to support our work preaching the Bible on AM 1160 through this audio ministry, visit us today at groundedandgrowingradio.com. I'm Pastor Dan Rhoda, and on behalf of the Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, we want to thank you for your support and partnership in proclaiming the Bible here on AM 1160. If you're not part of a local church, Orland Park Christian Reformed Church welcomes you to worship with us this Sunday. You can find all the details online at groundedandgrowingradio.com. Thanks again for joining us, and until next time, may God bless you. Grounded and Growing in Christ can be heard weekdays at 2 p.m. on AM 1160. I'm Derek Bukema, pastor of Orland Park Christian Reformed Church. This month, we're focusing on the topic of gratitude throughout the Bible, exploring how God has instructed us to flourish in the world with hearts grateful and thankful to God. If you're not a part of a local church, Orland Park Christian Reformed Church welcomes you to worship with us this Sunday as we gather to worship and hear the Word of God proclaimed. You can learn more about our church at groundedandgrowingradio.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.